How would you feel if you missed out on something really important, but at the same time pretty unbelievable? What if everyone else was given a gift that would change their lives, but you didn't get it? Would you take everyone's word for it, or would you want to see for yourself? Hi, my name's Stuart, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to this service from St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse today. I've had a Pretty busy couple of weeks putting together seven services for Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. So I'm glad to welcome Stella Campbell, Minister of Skeen Parish Church in Aberdeenshire, as our guest preacher this morning. I'm sure you'll be blessed by her message for us. Joyce and Bob Miller join us today too. Joyce will read for us and Bob will lead our prayers later in the service. Many of you will have been saddened by the death of His Royal Highness Prince Philip on Friday. Moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland, the Right Reverend Dr Martin Fair, gives us these words. Almighty and everlasting God, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But you are forever, from everlasting to everlasting, And we put our trust in you, for you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Loving Lord, in this last year, through the worst of a global pandemic, we've been face to face with our fragility and vulnerability, perhaps for some of us as never before. Against that backdrop of hurt and loss, We give you thanks for the life and service of Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. Some are called to the front of the stage, others to supporting roles. And we rejoice in the way he supported Her Majesty the Queen through all the years of her reign. We remember too his work supporting charities and perhaps most memorably for young people for over 60 years, his patronage of the Duke of Edinburgh Award Scheme. In this hour of loss, we offer our heartfelt prayers for Her Majesty and her family. Comfort them in their loss, bind up their wounds, and grant them the consolation of a store of treasured memories. Grant Her Majesty the peace that comes from knowing you and which passes all understanding. These and all our prayers we ask in the name of Jesus, who through his life, death and resurrection offers us hope instead of despair, life instead of death. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so now we continue in our worship as Joyce reads our scripture for us today. Today's reading is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Jesus appeared to his disciples. It was late that Sunday evening and the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors, because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Then Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. 
After saying this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. Thomas said to them, Unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands and put my finger on those scars and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together again indoors and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Then stretch out your hand and put it in my side. Stop your doubting and believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Do you believe because you see me? How happy are those who believe without seeing me? The purpose of this book. In his disciples' presence, Jesus performed many other miracles which are not written down in this book, but these have been written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through your faith in him you may have life.
There are a few times in life when I've definitely missed out on what was happening around about me. My neighbours in South Queensferry were amazed the night I slept through their caravan going on fire and the fire brigade turning up. Thankfully no one was injured but it was a source of ribbing for many months afterwards. And just last week a whole herd of cows escaped from a local farmer's yard and ended up outside the manse here about 10 o'clock at night. I was totally oblivious of the hunt that was going on and the rescue of the beasts until the next day when I walked down the road and saw the evidence of a bovine invasion. Of course, Thomas wasn't asleep in the corner of the room when Jesus appeared. Actually, we don't know where he was. Apart from Judas, all the other disciples appear to be gathered together in one room as evening falls. But Thomas's absence leads to a remarkable episode in John's Gospel, which acts as a bridge or invitation to each and every one of us. And we're going to take a moment now to reflect upon it, starting with what happened on that first Sunday evening. The disciples are locked away, but Jesus finds them and the very first thing he says to them is, peace be with you. The Prince of Peace has secured victory over sin and death, suffering and evil, and has reconciled humanity to God, brought peace where there was none. So it's fitting that peace is the first word spoken. But I wonder on a more pragmatic note, if Jesus chooses these words in order to evoke a memory in the disciples. It was only a few days earlier in the upper room when Jesus spoke of gifting peace to these same group of followers. Is he using this language to reassure them now of who he is? That certainly chimes with what happens next as Jesus shows them his hands and his side. 
The scars of crucifixion become evidence that this man before them is the same Jesus who died on the cross, whom they had taken down and buried in the tomb. On hearing him speak and seeing his wounds, the transformation in the disciples is remarkable. They were overjoyed, a fulfilment of Jesus' promise that their sorrow would not last. They must have been so excited and full of conversation about what had happened. It immediately makes me feel sorry for Thomas. We've all been in situations where folks are talking about an event we weren't at and we feel left out because you had to be there. It's like when you've never seen an episode of Line of Duty and you've got no idea who H is or why that's even a thing, but your Facebook and Twitter feed are full of it. Thomas must have been thoroughly fed up in those days which followed Jesus appearing to the first group of disciples. And we can see his frustration pour out in his response to their testimony. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Stubborn, adamant, Thomas digs his heels in. And down through the ages, he's taken a lot of flack for that. But what else do we know about him? He's most fleshed out in John's Gospel, and we hear him speak a few times before this incident. When Jesus finally decides to go see Mary and Martha after Lazarus's death, Thomas declares that the rest of them should all go with him and die. Pessimistic, maybe. Deeply loyal, absolutely. When Jesus talks at the Last Supper of them knowing the way, Thomas is the one who blurts out, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Is he being obtuse? Well, that's one viewpoint. But I would prefer to think that Thomas wasn't afraid to say he needed help to understand what Jesus was hinting at. And I'm pretty sure that some of the other disciples were equally confused by Jesus's words, but were not quite so courageous to admit it. Thomas strikes me as honest, straightforward, committed. In the week when the others are full of Jesus being alive and Thomas is refusing to believe them, he chooses not to walk away. He stays. Maybe he's got nowhere else to go, but I admire his willingness to dwell in that place of confusion and uncertainty, frustration and exclusion. How many of us have found ourselves dwelling in that very place in this last year, wondering where God is, refusing to believe things will get better, losing hope, refusing the encouragement of others because we need something more, something real for us, something that shifts our hearts and minds, something that's not secondhand or a mere platitude. And how many of us having found ourselves stuck, even when perhaps surrounded by friends and family, have chosen to hang on in there? It must have been such a long week for Thomas, but at the end of it, his prayers and his requests are answered. Technology and sport has come a long way over the years. From Hawkeye to VAR, action replay is now possible, not simply for armchair critics, but also for match officials. The TMO, the third match official in rugby, is often called upon to determine if a try has been properly grounded or if a pass was forward. And in many ways, the technology allows the referee to step back in time, to see the events for the first time from a different angle, slowed down, to replay the phases and to make a determination for good or ill. As we move through John chapter 20, it's like we go back in time for an action replay. It's Sunday evening 
again. The disciples are behind closed doors again, but this time Thomas is with them. Jesus appears again and says, peace be with you again. And then he gives Thomas the first-hand experience he's craving. It's no more than what the other disciples got, and we often forget that. They'd heard from Mary that Jesus was risen and had chosen not to believe her. Peter and John had seen the empty tomb, and yet it wasn't until they all saw Jesus himself that they became overjoyed. That was the turning point for them believing that Jesus was alive. Thomas is asking for and is granted no more than the others got. And yet his response goes far beyond theirs. On seeing Jesus and being offered the evidence he asked for, Thomas declares, my Lord and my God. Of all the confessions in John's Gospel, John the Baptist, the Samaritan village, Martha, this is the climax, the destination of the author. Someone finally expressing what John had said in the very beginning. The word was with God and the word was God. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the father has made him known. Thomas gets it. He may have missed out, but suddenly he catches up and goes further than everyone else. And that comes because he was willing to hold out for that confirmation, that evidence, that encounter with Jesus. In some ways, Thomas's experience and declaration then form this bridge to us, which Jesus hints at in what he says next. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. None of us, like Thomas, were in that locked room on the Easter Sunday evening. And some of us, like Thomas, may long for the kind of encounter the disciples had. Thomas got his request, his protest, responded to pretty quickly. We, on the other hand, are called, as Paul puts it, to live by faith and not by sight. And perhaps Thomas's frustration resonates with us because it's really not easy to live by faith rather than sight. Peter writes in his letter, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. How is it that we can love Jesus and believe in him when we've not had that first-hand, in-person experience? John concludes this episode by saying it's because of the testimony of those first eyewitnesses, Mary, Peter, John and Thomas. They reach out to us and tell us that Jesus is alive and we can have life in his name. As the theologian D.A. Carson puts it, the most unyielding sceptic, Thomas, has bequeathed us the most profound confession. Thomas reaches out to us to say it's true. Jesus is alive. I didn't believe it at first, but now I believe that not only is Jesus Lord, he's God. We cannot share Thomas's sight of Jesus, but because of his experience, his missing out and Jesus's grace and coming to meet him in his place of unbelief, we can come to share in his faith, knowing that the same Jesus who caught him up looks to catch us up too. In the dark
Let us pray. Prayers for others and ourselves. Easter God, we give thanks not only for the joyful news of the resurrection, but also for the different ways in which different people came to believe that it was true, that it didn't come instantly or easily to any of them. And for some, like Thomas, it involved questioning and defiance because if it was by some strange chance true, it was too important to accept on hearsay. We give thanks for all seekers after truth in every realm of human inquiry, science, mathematics, astronomy, history, philosophy. Thank you for their questions and their lateral thinking, for the refusal to accept what other people have told them or even to trust their own theories, without evidence to back them up. Thank you for their willingness to be proved wrong. We pray for those whose search is for the less tangible truths about the meaning of life and the best way to live, and whether or not there is a God, or whether God can be known. May they be as rigorous as the best scientists in their questioning as honest about what they do not know, as open to admit that their version of truth may not be the whole or only one. We pray for those who, like Thomas, would love to be able to believe as others do, but find it hard. Those who once believe, but now no longer do. Those who have been put off believing by their apparent certainty of those who seem to have all the answers and do not understand their questions, those who see their own doubts as failure and not a necessary part of growth. We pray for those from whom faith does come easily, who are not plagued by the, this kind of questions that Thomas had. May there be no fearfulness in their faith, but a generosity of spirit, towards those whose path is different. Amen. With some of our doubts alleviated, our fears subsided and our hopes revived, let us go in peace to love and to serve the risen Lord. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you, those whom you love and those you find hard to love, today and forevermore. Amen. Yeah.